May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Poor Thomas. He's gotten such a bad name for nothing more than asking for reasonable verification. We might think of him as the gospel's first empirical scientist, and yet he's become known principally as the doubter. Now, I'm going to say that's in large part because of story subheadings in the Bible, which were added rather recently by translators and publishers. They are interpretive. For good or for ill, they powerfully influence the way we read these gospel texts. And I think there's a number of problems with characterizing Thomas principally as a doubter, but the one that stands out for me is that he asked Jesus for nothing more than what the other disciples already got. Remember, at the beginning of the passage we heard today, Jesus himself took the initiative to show his wounds to his frightened disciples. Peace be with you, he said, and then the text continued, he showed them his hands and his side. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not usually the first thing I'm inclined to do when I'm introducing myself to a room full of frightened people. It feels a bit like following the peace of the Lord be always with you by now show each other your wounds. Or maybe... Uh, imagine welcoming newcomers with, I'm so glad you're welcoming Trinity. My mother just died last week. Even though all of that is true of us, and there are deeper wounds yet present in this congregation here today. All of us have been hurt. And most of us observe social norms around revealing our wounds. And that's probably all to the good, but Jesus, in addition to being unschooled in Episcopal manners, was making a point for his closest friends. And the point was not just that he was the very same guy who had been crucified and pierced, although he was. The point was not just that he was fully human with a body that could be broken, although it was. It was also a literal sign that he hurt. He was wounded in the flesh, just as his traumatized disciples had been wounded in their hearts. He showed up in their midst and met them right where they were, wound to wound. Now, on the beautiful cover that Chris Ambrose designed for our bulletin this week, the subtitle, The Conversion of Thomas, Thomas, that's what it says, right? Invites us to think about the doubter in perhaps less prejudicial terms. But there are actually so many things that might call our attention in this especially rich and nuanced gospel story. It could just as well be subtitled insight within closed doors, or the power of breath and touch, or blessed are you who believe, or perhaps you have a better idea. 
I want to invite you to hang on to your bulletin this morning and take it home and read this passage slowly and deliberately when you have a moment. What captures your attention? Consider what you might want to call this story if Thomas's doubts or even his conversion weren't influencing your reading. Myself, I'm inclined to call this story the commissioning of the wounded. Look anew at how it begins. The disciples have been traumatized by the painful and shameful execution of their teacher and friend. They were shuttered in a room, legitimately frightened for their own lives. They were not a people functioning at their personal best. Jesus appeared in their midst despite the locked doors, showed them his wounds, and however weird this sequence of events may seem to you, and you can be sure that John's hearers would have considered it weird too, those wounded disciples nevertheless responded with joy. Jesus' life and wounds validated their own. He wished them peace, breathed his powerful Holy Spirit upon them, and sent them out to continue his very own work of reconciliation. In the space of what seems like minutes, the traumatized ones became the entrusted ones. Brene Brown, who is an author and recent Netflix star, whom I admire, has spent her whole career researching trust. As an academic social worker, she started out by asking what makes it possible for people to build trusting connections in our fragmented society. But early on in her research, she discovered a variable that consistently and significantly undermine trust and connection. People who suffer from shame, those who doubt their own worthiness and feel compelled to hide their wounds, are less able to connect with each other. And as a result, Brene Brown discovered, they led lives of greater loneliness, isolation, and even anger. In contrast, people who are able to connect have a strong sense of worthiness. They're not afraid to be seen, neither for their strengths nor for their wounds. They practice what Brene Brown calls the courage to be imperfect. They embrace their own vulnerability, not because it's comfortable for them, but because it's the truth. When we're ashamed of our own truth, when we think that we are not good enough or are damaged in some way, which all of us do sometimes, sharing our vulnerability can seem terrifying. But vulnerability with each other is also the birthplace of our joy, our creativity, our longing, and our love. For the person who is confident of their worthiness, says Brene Brown, practicing vulnerability with others is worth the risk. Now, we can't manufacture worthiness for ourselves, but we can accept it as a free gift from God. 
It is a gift when we recognize the goodness of our own creation. It is a gift when parents and partners remind us that we are worth more than our performance. It is a gift when we renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness. It is a gift when we turn to Jesus Christ. It is a gift when we realize down in our bones that God's love for us is unlimited and will not be thwarted even by death. It is also a gift to forgive, even as we have been forgiven. Jesus knew that when he commissioned the disciples to continue his work, just as he knows that about us now. It is not the perfect ones whom he breathed his spirit upon, but rather the wounded ones. They were simultaneously hurting and entirely worthy of his presence and his trust. So to all of you who have been wounded and are wondering about it, know that I am wounded too. I grew up in a household of secrets and shame. I was sexually assaulted in high school. I have been betrayed by people I trusted deeply. And I have betrayed people who trusted me. And yet, I have been sent. Even more than that, y'all called me to tell you that you too are worthy and you are forgiven. I can say that with confidence because I know that I am worthy and forgiven. This room full of disciples isn't a locked room, so I'm kind of hoping the word will get out. Whatever you may feel ashamed of, whatever you feel that you have to hide, whatever keeps you from going out to share this good news with others, you are worth more than that. You are needed more than that. It is actually your wounds that empower you to connect with and transform the next hurting person. So all of you who bear wounds, show them, share them, in Episcopally appropriate ways, of course. <laughs> Doubt all you want. That's the Episcopal way as well. Test your faith for the corroboration you need, but don't doubt for a moment that it is Jesus' wounds and our own that will save the world. Amen.